This program is made possible entirely by listeners just like you. To donate or sign up for a membership, please visit bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, The Daily Show, Countdown with Keith Olbermann, On the Media, The Onion Radio News, The Young Turks, The Tom Hartman Program, and The Colbert Report with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from Tom Hartman. Here is your next quote. So much for don't be evil. That was an editorial in the Boston (laughs) Phoenix noting what internet company's new unholy alliance with Verizon? Google. That is absolutely right. Good job. (laughs) This week, Verizon and Google released a set of proposed guidelines that could threaten net neutrality, meaning there could someday be two internets, a free regular internet and a paid premium internet. For example, on regular YouTube, you can see guys getting kicked in the crotch, but on premium YouTube, you can see guys getting kicked in the crotch by a butler. (laughs) On the premium internet, everyone in eHarmony would be a gorgeous model, but on the regular internet, you'd be choosing between people who look like Picasso portraits. (laughs) And of course, while the regular internet would have Twitter, the premium internet would not. Now, if service providers wanted to lure people to stay on the regular internet, they could just rebrand it as something like Internet Classic or something like that. (laughs) With little offshoots like Diet Internet, you know, Internet with Lime, Vitamin Internet, (laughs) Black Cherry Internet. Black Cherry Google sounds sort of... Porny, really. You don't know what you're going to (laughs) get. Yeah. Don't... If you Google Black Cherry Internet, you will not be pleased with the results. (laughs) Or maybe you will. I'm not sure. topic net neutrality on one side those who want the internet to remain a wide open marketplace of ideas on the other side a larger group who have no idea what net neutrality means <laughs> but it is an important issue a few years ago a google vice president and one of the inventors of the internet put it best the biggest concern i have at this point is that uh, in the absence of some form of protection that the broadband service providers will be able to discriminate against the consumers as to which products and services they're able to reach. We must preserve neutrality in this system in order to allow new Googles of the world, new Yahoos, new Amazons to form. Thank you, (laughs) Obi-Wan. Makes sense. Google's unofficial motto is don't be evil. So they would naturally oppose big corporations getting together to secretly decide what you can and cannot see on the web. Am I correct? What Google is proposing with its partner Verizon is essentially a toll road system, a separate internet for wireless devices only. What? So in four years, Google, the don't be evil empire, has gone from net neutrality will allow new Googles and Amazons to form to net neutrality will allow new Googles and Amazons to form. (laughs) Just a change in tone. 
Worst case scenario, what are we looking at here? You could have Verizon deciding, hey, you know what? Uh, I got two different websites, Huffington Post and uh, Rush Limbaugh's website. And I'm gonna decide that Rush Limbaugh gets to have better access, faster access, so people can get to his website a lot quicker. The other possibility is a carrier like Verizon or AT&T, et cetera, could make the reverse decision. And he can make Huffington Post much larger and Rush Limbaugh much smaller. Oh my God! Huff or Rush Poe could run faster or slower on my droid phone. I can't believe. What about porn? <laughs> well, you know what? We don't need to give up, people. I'm not afraid. Google doesn't get to write laws, they just photograph and post where everybody lives. <laughs> and republish every book ever written and negotiate with the Chinese government while building floating data centers in the ocean. But you know what? <laughs> We've got net neutrality activists that are gonna fight back. They headed down to Google, and they are some of the hippest, most sophisticated people anywheres. Last week, they made their anger known. Hands off the internet, it must be free. We're completely already heard about the Google Verizon deal with the devil to throw out net neutrality for the sake of their profits. In our third story, it's worse than we thought. It might also stunt technological developments off which they cannot profit. Google and Verizon have revealed their so-called policy framework on how you or I or anyone else can access the Internet. What Google and Verizon agreed to was this, that FCC rules insurance, uh, ensuring equal access to the Internet should still apply to wired devices like a computer on your desk. But those rules should not apply to wireless devices such as mobile phones or smartphones or iPads. And of course, as technology changes exponentially, that is kind of like saying, don't worry, in the years to come, your manual typewriter will still be state-of-the-art. Google's chief executive, Eric Schmidt, said that this was merely an agreement in principle. Verizon's chief executive also tried to downplay the deal, quoting, We both recognize that wireless is in a slightly different place than wireline. What we're concerned about is the imposition of too many rules up front that would not allow us to optimize the supercharged growth we've seen in the past. But critics have noted that the deal could effectively lay the groundwork for the end of net neutrality. For more on this, let's turn to CNET staff reporter Carolyn McCarthy. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you. Let's start with the new part. Explain the wired versus uh, wireless issue and why that might threaten technological okay, advance. So what they're talking about is not a matter of devices, it's a matter of the broadband infrastructure. Um, your computer and your, your wired or wireless connection at home that that computer connects to the internet on is a different kind of broadband infrastructure than the one that your cell phone is going to be on. That's what we hear about when you hear about 3G or 4G or, um, or the AT&T and Verizon mobile phone uh, carrier contracts. And so the, the issue here is that Google and Verizon in this proposal that they put together and released said that they believe that net neutrality um, 
should apply to the to what what's become becoming known as the public internet as for the mobile internet they say they don't want those regulations in place because there's so much innovation still to happen and that they don't think it makes sense for you to be regulating technologies that potentially don't exist yet about the, the basic issue now, the, the net yeah. neutrality, the, the public blowback that's happened since this story started to come out in the last week or two, that, that has not slowed Google or Verizon up one bit on doing this? Definitely not. And I think one of the reasons there is that a lot of the blowback is coming from consumer advocacy groups rather than the consumers themselves. This is not the sort of situation that someone is going to go cancel their Verizon cell phone contract over, um, however momentous it may be with regard to the, to the crafting of digital policy. That um, I think that, and the other thing to keep in mind is that this Google and Verizon do not write laws. Um, the government writes laws. The FCC passes regulations. This is a proposal that they've put forth. The telco lobbying industry in Washington is extremely powerful, and there are a lot more companies besides Google and Verizon that have a big hand in it. So who knows whether these recommendations on behalf of Google and Verizon will even come to fruition. But uh, we also know that when giant corporations make deals like this and have that uh, K Street machinery behind them, we all know that they always look out for the little guy <laughs> in their industry, correct? I mean, what, whoever might be the Google yeah. of 2020 and, is safe, and correct? And I, I think that that has really gotten some of the critics unnerved mm. about this, is the fact that Google always positioned itself as the innovator-in-chief, as this company that was going to do away with all of the bureaucratic structures that older and stodgier uh, telecommunications companies and other technology companies had in place that Google would change things. Um, and Google had, had been very much in favor of net neutrality before, and I mean, they still are on the wired front, but on the wireless front, it is a change in tune. And that change in tune comes in part because Google is absolutely putting its best interests forward, and it's partnering with the carriers rather than what a lot of people hoped, which was that it would sort of take a sledgehammer to them and get rid of some of the bureaucracy in place that makes people so ticked off with their cell phone contracts every month. Uh, last point, devil's advocate question. If TV uh, survived yeah. the advent of cable and pay cable and all the different ways that people oh, yeah. get content uh, that way. Why is it? Why is the internet particularly vulnerable and it can't survive or thrive under this? Well, I mean, you do have a point there. That is absolutely one of the things that some of the proponents of this proposal are putting forward is that the, the television industry in 1950, if you had imposed similar sorts of regulations on it, we wouldn't be seeing HBO now. Mm -hmm. And the, the lack of regulation that Google and Verizon are proposing also potentially extends to technologies that don't even exist yet. Like, for example, one of the things people have been bringing up is medical monitoring broadband technology or uh, 3D television delivery. And so it's a very, very complicated issue that people get incredibly passionate about um, but I think that it's a goes much deeper, and b you've got to keep in mind this is not um, this has not been put forward by any body mm -hmm. that can make U.S. law. Well, K Street. So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot button issues we face, maintaining a rock solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth five bucks a month or as little as $55, a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support.
This week, the tug of war over who controls the internet intensified. The FCC wants to ensure that all content providers are treated equally, consistent with the principle called network neutrality. Internet service providers like Comcast, Time Warner, Verizon, and AT&T say that the market will see to that. Tensions been mounting ever since a federal court determined in April that the FCC has no authority to regulate the Internet. That means that, theoretically, the ISPs can favor certain content providers with faster speeds for a price or block them altogether. Thus, they can make or break a business or a news site. Think about it. How long are you really willing to wait for a website to load? Open Internet advocates say that now both free speech and the innovation that fuels our information economy are at risk. The FCC vowed to work with the ISPs and content providers like Google to keep the Internet free, an approach that FCC Chairman Julius Janikowski says does not involve regulating the Internet. It would preserve the freedom and openness of the Internet. It flows from a deep recognition that one of the Internet's greatest strengths, its unprecedented power to foster innovation and free speech, stems from the absence of any central controlling authority, either public or private. Last week, the industry's negotiations with the FCC collapsed, but it seemed that the tug-of-war over network neutrality would go on because 900-pound gorillas were pulling hard at each end of the rope. On one side, the ISPs. On the other, the FCC and Google. But this week, Google let go. In today's Tech Bytes backlash over Google and Verizon's proposal to regulate Internet service. The companies laid out their vision and hopes it can serve as a framework for Congress and the FCC in drafting new rules. The two agreed that so-called wireline Internet, which comes into homes and offices, should be left free and open. But they said mobile Internet providers who service phones should be able to charge extra fees to content providers for faster service to customers. No matter what the status is of the legality behind the document, the fact that the two major technology corporations involved in the discussion has backed this proposal means it could very well sway discussions about the future of broadband Internet in the U.S. The proposal offered by Verizon and Google demands transparency from the ISPs. No more secretly stalling or dropping movie downloads because they eat up too much bandwidth. When ISPs use wires to connect to the Internet, they must also observe strict net neutrality. Any blocking or stalling would trigger up to a $2 million fine. But ISPs that supply wireless connections, say through mobile phones, may extract fees for faster service. That wouldn't necessarily affect your bill, but it would affect the speed or the cost of the content you want to reach. Also, wireless ISPs could block competitive services. And when new services come along, like remote medical monitoring, they can hike the price of those. All of this strikes at the heart of how every one of us will communicate or do business in the near future. But it's complicated. So, to distinguish among the parties in this high-stakes game, we'll try a time-honored oral device, the leitmotif. In the symphonic saga, Peter and the Wolf, Sergei Prokofiev assigned themes to Peter, the bird, the duck, the cat, grandfather, and the wolf. But assigning the bad guy theme in our story is tricky. Everybody thinks they're the good guy. 
So, in the interest of fairness, we're not assigning the wolf's theme. In our rendering, the net neutrality advocate Siva Vadianathan, who teaches media studies at the University of Virginia, is the bird. If we decide that the only level playing field will be that wire coming out of the wall into our personal computer, we might find that we've relegated all the freedom in the world to the 8-track tape deck over the next 20 years. And that could be a terrible mistake. Alan Davidson, Google's U.S. public policy director, is the cat. Yes, I think both companies ended up making some compromises in creating this proposal. It's one idea for how to break the logjam that exists right now. And that's why, from our perspective, protecting an open Internet is too important an issue for consumers to have it end in stalemate. FCC Commissioner Michael Copps is the grandfather. The way I see it, it's kind of a statement of intent that private parties are going to have more to say about the future of consumers' online experience than consumers themselves are, taking public policy out of the equation and kind of betting the whole farm on the future of the Internet being the province of gatekeepers and potentially toll booth collectors. Verizon ducked our requests for an interview, so we had to rely on CEO Ivan Seidenberg's public statements, as at the Annenberg School of Communications in April. Oh, and Verizon is the duck. The short answer to your question on this net neutrality issue for us is, we're concerned that government wants to regulate every conceivable issue that could surface on the issue of access, when in fact the market is going to eliminate those barriers over time in any event. They're going to do it pretty fast. We have always had public policy that addresses the important national need of providing information infrastructure to every citizen in the land. The FCC is Michael Copps. That's why we had postal subsidies for newspapers back in the early days. That's why we had free spectrum for broadcast. And to come now and say, we don't need to have that because this technology under the control of the private sector is going to take care and be responsive and provide the news and information our citizens need to make intelligent decisions for the future of the country, it's not happening. You know as well as I that we have fewer journalists, less investigative journalism in this country today than we had 10, 15, or 20 years ago. And we cannot afford just to sit back and think that some invisible hand is somehow going to make everything dandy swell and peachy fine for the citizens of our country. There are very valid concerns that have been raised. Google's Alan Davidson. We understand that it's a very political issue and that there are a lot of people who would like to see more in it, and we really respect that. I think what's most important is that, in the end of the day, there should be some protections for consumers. And we did feel that it was very important to have a real strong open Internet set of protections on the wireline side. In fact, this is really the strongest proposal that we've ever seen a carrier network operator agree to in terms of protecting non-discrimination on the Internet. People are not fooled by Google's claim that this announcement is going to somehow preserve network neutrality. Siva Vadianathan. Because enough people understand that the real excitement, energy, and investment in this field is going to be in the mobile space and is going to be in those really cool experimental spaces like 3D video and medical data. Soon wireless will be embedded in everything we touch. Verizon CEO Ivan Seidenberg said this in a speech in June. Infusing intelligence into all our systems and presenting us 
with a whole new way to run a home or an enterprise or even a country. When it comes to innovation and communications, the U.S. has a clear, decided edge. The smartphone revolution is centered in the U.S. The creation of tens of thousands of wireless applications is a U.S. phenomenon. If that's where the experimentation is going to be, we need it to be a place where the most creative entrepreneurial people are willing to invent things and develop technologies without having to slide their cards and enter the Verizon building. What's in this for Google? That's a great question. When there's a level playing field over the classic internet, Google can win. Google knows that they have the best coders and the best vision for the open internet. So they fought for it justifiably for some time. In the mobile space, Google is just another telephone operating system company at this point. Google is in a close partnership with T-Mobile and a close partnership with Verizon and is starting to get involved in AT&T's business as well. And under those circumstances, Google knows that its greatest competitor is Apple. Apple's a completely locked down system. A lot of the advantages of the iPhone, the reason it works so smoothly and dependably under most circumstances, is that it is a closed lockdown box. And Google understands that it has very little leverage to open up that environment, nor does it really see a return in having an open network over the mobile space. I asked Alan Davidson why Google and Verizon sought to shield wireless services from FCC oversight. How is it different from the wired net? There's less bandwidth. There's a greater need for network management. There are more providers out there than we've seen in the wireline space. So there are reasons to think that wireless may be evolving in a different way and may need different kinds of applications of the rules. And then the other piece of this is that it is a political compromise. Our hope is that even under this proposal, there will be a path forward for openness and protections for consumers on both the wired and wireline side in the long run. The funny thing is, the FCC could easily seize control of this situation. The court said that it had no jurisdiction over information services. All the commission has to do is vote to reclassify the Internet as a telecommunications service, as it once was. And voila, problem solved. I have been pressing pretty hard, saying, let's do this right away. Commissioner Cops. The longer it drags on, the more difficult it's going to be to get this accomplished because you give powerful forces on the other side the opportunity to lobby and spend a lot of money trying to change people's minds. And I think we have the obligation as a consumer protection agency to do our job, and we can best do that by reclassifying these technologies. So you just declare the war is over. Where are your commissioners on this? I mean, why haven't you done it? I speak for one commissioner, and that's myself. I am obviously of the hope that we have a majority here to do that. If our town square is going to be paved with broadband bricks, then we better make sure it's operating in the interest of all of us and is not under the control of a precious special few. But many in Congress oppose summary reclassification. They say they want the chance to legislate, though no congressional action is expected until 2011. Meanwhile, Google and Verizon are shopping their proposal around the halls of the Capitol, where they find doors oiled by millions of dollars in telecom campaign donations. With a huff and maybe a puff, they could very well blow those doors down. But that's another story.
It's the Onion Radio News. An area man consults the Internet whenever possible. This is Doyle Redland reporting. 36-year-old Columbus area office manager Larry Wisniewski now turns to the Internet for nearly everything, including pancake recipes. Dissatisfied with outmoded instructions printed on a box of Bisquick, Wisniewski can now find hundreds of tasty ideas in just half an hour or so. Without the Internet, I would have been stuck with one variety of pancake. Let's face it. Bisquick boxes are a dead medium. After searching the World Wide Web, Wisniewski collected over 200 pancake recipes and looked up a few words in an online dictionary as well, simply because he could. Doyle Redland. I could never pretend that I don't love you. You could never pretend that I'm your man. That's exactly the way that I want it. It's exactly the way that I am. And you call me in the morning with your troubles. Uh, breaking news is that Google and Verizon have made a deal. It is a terrible deal. It is a deal that might benefit uh, Google, but we're not even entirely sure about that. It's definitely a deal that benefits Verizon, and a deal that definitely does not benefit any of the rest of us. This is on the issue of net neutrality. You know, people get confused by this. Maybe it's because it's a bad word, like bad set of words, not a clear set of words. But it's really, really simple. Follow me, okay? So. Net neutrality just means that everybody has the same access online. So if we have the Young Turks website, it goes at the same speed as Rush Limbaugh's website or as Verizon's website, all the websites, right? That's net neutrality. That's a good thing, that we're all equal, right? And the FCC, if they want, they can regulate it to make sure that we are all equal. Now, what Verizon wants to do is go, no, no, no. I have the pipes leading in, those series of tubes that Ted Stevens talked about a long time ago. And so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to make my websites faster, and the people who pay me more, or I favor, maybe even politically at some point, they're going to go faster. And your websites, which either don't pay me, or I don't like, for whatever reason, commercial reason, political reason, you're, I'm going to slow those down. So two different speeds. Now, this is terrible whether you're a left-winger, right-winger, or any other American. Now, imagine, I don't, the right-wingers are crazy if they don't go ballistic over this. What's to stop Verizon from going, you know what, I don't really agree with Rush Limbaugh these days. Why don't I slow his ass down, see if anybody can come on his website. You want to give him that kind of power? This is the one situation where the conservatives should definitely be on our side. But the problem is there are no real conservatives left in the country. They've been co-opted by the co co big corporate interests. So they think that being conservative, it just means, wh what does corporation tell us to do? Verizon giant corporation, AT&T giant corporation, we will do what they tell us. Okay, we are against net neutrality. You idiots, they can discriminate against you. And who's to say those, the guys running those corporations one day won't be big liberals? Don't let them discriminate against you. And it's so they can make more money. And, and look, they make plenty of money as it is. That ain't the issue, man. And you want to solve it so that Verizon and AT&T, et cetera, those carriers make more money? But there's a hundred different ways to do that. But this ain't the right way. So if you care about equality online, if you care about the Internet and whichever sites you want to go to, it doesn't matter any site, 
You don't want Verizon and AT&T making those decisions. You want the government to be able to regulate and FCC to come in and go, no deal. Everybody gets equal access. Now, why is Google and Verizon's deal so important? Well, they make a deal saying, hey, you know what? If you've got a normal landline connection, are we not merciful? We're going to let you keep that, and that's going to be fair and equal access to everybody. But if you're wireless, we're going to start to change those rules. Because most people are going to be wireless, especially into the future. So now, in that regard, well, then we can have new rules that Verizon and AT&T and the carriers decide on. What did Google get out of this? Right now, it's not entirely clear. My guess is they made a deal where they get to go faster than the rest of their competition. And so they switch teams, and all of a sudden they're not in favor of net neutrality. Okay, so they win for the moment being. Everybody else gets screwed. I think it's a terrible deal. Now people online are saying Google has done evil, you know, because, of course, a play on their uh, they don't do evil uh, line, right? And so it's disastrous for everybody involved, because then they shut down the First Amendment. Then the corporations, they already took over the Supreme Court, they already took over all the politicians of Washington, D.C., but this meddlesome Internet with all these people saying whatever they want to say, that's why they're coming for us. And that's why this is so important, and that's why this Google-Verizon deal is disastrous. And if Google and Verizon say it's okay, then they go to the FCC, and those FCC guys who earlier, when they were running as Republicans, you know, all the Democratic politicians and the regulators were like, oh, I can't believe what Bush is doing. We're totally in favor of net neutrality. Oh, Google and Verizon have a deal? Well, then forget it. We're not going to regulate. We're just going to let them, we're just going to go with their uh, corporate deal. If two corporations agreed, they must be right. Julian Janagowski, now the head of the FCC. Oh, before, he's totally in favor of net neutrality. Now that he's in power in Washington, guess what? Not so much. Now he's going to let Google and Verizon decide. Epic fail. And so, I, you know what? Google should get an earful from this, man. And, you know, th that's... <sighs> that's what's so nefarious sometimes about big corporations. That's why government has to be on the watch out. Because, look, a corporation doesn't have to be a bad thing. And corporations hire people. We're not against corporations overall. We're just saying that there's got to be a... It's like saying I'm against middle linebackers. <laughs> I'm not against middle linebackers. I was a middle linebacker. I like middle linebackers. But if there are no reps, the middle linebackers will take everybody's head off. Okay? That's just the way it's structured. Right? So, now the reason I'm scared is, all if look, if Google goes the way of all the large corporations, what are you going to do? I mean, they are the giants online. If they don't protect fairness and equality online, what the hell are we going to do? Hey, David Pakman here, host of the nationally syndicated Midweek Politics with David Pakman. If you're anything like me, you're a regular listener to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with Jay Tomlinson. If you like that, I want to invite you to check out my show, Midweek Politics with David Pakman. Not only will you hear the best of the left, but you'll hear some of the worst of the right, including some of the craziest bigots and racists you've ever seen. But don't worry, I don't agree with them. Check out midweekpolitics.com, check out my show, continue listening to Best of the Left podcast, and even consider becoming a member of the Midweek Politics membership program.
Not only is the United States way behind, we're in the 20s or 30s, you know, those, those rankings that they have for like life expectancy and infant mortality and things. In terms of the percentage of people, the number of, the, uh, the, the number of people, I'm, I'm guessing probably percentage of people who have access to high-speed Internet in the United States, we're way behind so many countries. South Korea is like way out ahead of everybody. I was at a board meeting this weekend in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, for a group of, of five companies, I'm on the board of one of them, that license band, it's a whole long story, but in, in any case, we're in the telecommunications business. And w people were telling me stories about going to South Korea and how in South Korea you can, you can use your cell phone to just uh, to flag your way into the subway Right? You know, it's like a metro pass in D.C. I mean, people don't, we're not even thinking about these things. And in the midst of this now comes Google and Verizon talking about, well, let's change the whole Internet world as we know it, at least in the United States, and let the big guys, let them play however they want to play as long as they pay, and let the small guys who may not have any money, well, the hell with them. Craig Aaron is with us. He's the managing director of Free Press, freepress.net. One of those great progressive news sites that's been doing some marvelous reporting for years and years and years. And, and uh, Craig, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Tom. Give us an overview of this Google-Verizon deal uh, that uh, has been referred to as the end of the Internet as we know it, at least for Americans. Uh, sure. Well, what's happened is that Google and Verizon, of course, two of the biggest companies on the Internet, have gotten together to come up with their own policy framework, which they are now shopping to Congress as a way to completely transform the way the Internet works. And uh, what they've proposed, you know, at their press conference yesterday, they said all sorts of great things about how, you know, they love the open Internet and et cetera, et cetera. But Really, when you get into the fine print of this proposal, it would completely change how the Internet works. It would take us from, from the world we're in now, where once you go online, you can do whatever you want, go wherever you want, download whatever you want, to a world where companies like Verizon and Google are really picking and choosing the winners and losers online. You know, right. they've proposed things like uh, basically a separate Internet, whether you're sitting at your home computer with a wired connection or using your mobile phone. Uh, right now, you can get to the full Internet with your mobile phone if you have a phone that can do that. Uh, but what they're proposing is that, well, on wireless networks, we won't have net neutrality. We won't have right. these fundamental protections. Well, Those and, are just going to be for other networks. And in fact, Craig Aaron, Managing Director of Free Press, uh, freepress.net, that's the rubric that they're using. That's the, the camel's nose under the tent, or you know, pick your metaphor. Um, is that uh, Verizon, as a provider of of uh, cell phone services, is you know should uh, which you know there's there's a unique thing here, and that is that cable companies have to provide some kind of public service in, ex in exchange for their use of the public airwaves, and and so typically that's things like you know they put up money into a fund for for. Uh, uh, you know, local community access sure. TV and things like that, and and local radio and television stations still have to do some sort of community access uh, and community service. With many of these wireless providers, these cell these cell providers, they simply bought the spectrum, 
and they're saying, you know, this is my spectrum. This is my bandwidth. I own this bandwidth, damn it. I paid for it, paid a good price during the Clinton administration after the, the Telecommunications Act was signed, and, and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to it, with it. And since it's no longer carrying phone calls, which I used to be able to charge, you know, a buck a minute for, and now, you know, we're giving away, uh, we're going to start charging for data. And that data is part of the Internet, and there's a weird point of interface. Can you speak to that? Uh, sure. Well, you know, it all does come back to these policy issues and how these different forms of communications are going to be regulated. And as, as our media has changed and as everything has gone online, you know, we, we need new rules to fit this new reality. And what Verizon is trying to do, what Google is trying to do, is really game those rules only to benefit them. So increasingly, right. of Google's course, now in the phone business, too. Yeah, that's right. With Verizon, and that's the that's the the genesis of this whole deal is their multi-billion dollar deal pushing the Android operating system, and and why they suddenly say, oh, never mind. Even though we've supported net neutrality for years, we're just we're now for wireless networks. We don't think that's appropriate anymore. That has everything to do with a business deal, but it's it's terrible public policy because our internet increasingly is going to be accessed on mobile networks. Uh, there, well, you know, this. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Craig. Oh, I know. I was just going to say that. You know, they're saying that the, the, they're not going to mess with the public internet that we have now. But what they're also proposing to do is essentially carve out when they increase and expand their capacity, it's going to be in what's called managed services, which is really a a private internet where it's only going to be accessible to these big companies and right. where the rest of us who are making you know doing so many amazing things on the internet, so many innovations, so much great independent content, we're never going to get a chance to ride in that fast lane. It's only going to be these big guys, and that's because, you know what, they don't want that competition. They don't want all those choices. They, they're big companies. They want to be gatekeepers. They want to decide which websites work and which don't, which applications work and which don't, but that's never been the way that the Internet has worked. Now, this is the essence of monopoly capitalism. That's I mean, certainly. It's, it's they're, they're buying a boardwalk and, 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 and every other property on the board. <laughs> I mean, that's monopoly capitalism. It's the, first, the first imperative is, is don't compete. Destroy the competitors. And that's what this is all about. I think, though, that the largest frame, uh, we're talking with Craig Aaron, the managing director of Free Press, freepress.net, which has done some great reporting on this Google-Verizon deal that uh, is may, regardless of the details and the, uh, the, uh, narrow, the apparent narrow-gaugedness of it, may end up becoming a precedent that the FCC and that Congress used to establish rules right across the Internet, because most people now are not getting their Internet connection over a telephone line. They're getting it from a cable provider. In many cases, it is uh, Verizon's in the cable business, are they not? Uh, they are. They have the Fios product now, which yeah. is a fiber optic product. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, this is all becoming basically one thing, which brings That's us right. to what I, the, the frame that I like to use for this. And I, if, if you think I'm right on this, let me know. If you think I'm wrong, please set me straight. <laughs> and that is that the purpose of government, the reason why we created government in the United States back in the 1770s, was to administer the commons. To, to make sure that the, the, the water is clean, the air is pure, the, 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 the public roadways are, are public roadways, that the, the things that we use in common, the police department, the fire department, the, the military, the things that protect us, the things that keep us safe, that, that there is some, if not actual active oversight of those things, uh, there is even ownership of those things, that government administers the commons. And in my opinion, the, much like our public schools are part of our 
information commons. And our libraries, Ben Franklin's idea, are part of our information commons. This new thing called the Internet is the information commons. And it should be treated as the commons. And it should be, it should be absolutely, uh, absolutely flat. We should have absolute net neutrality for that reason. We got a minute left. Your thoughts on that, Craig? I think that's a great way to look at it, Tom. You know, I have a, a colleague who likes to say, you know, right now the internet may not be as important as water or electricity, but it's right up there with hot water. Yeah. And uh, I, I think those are the stakes we're talking about. Uh, you know, where this the internet has such amazing potential, uh, where anybody's website could have the reach of a radio station, a television station, a cable network. That's the world we're heading into. And these policy decisions we make right now in Congress and the FCC, those are going to decide whether we have that free and open internet, whether it continues to develop as an amazing resource for free speech and democratic participation and economic innovation, or whether it goes the way of so many of these other technologies, radio, cable TV, you name it, and is just in the hands of the few. So that's why it's so important for people to get engaged right now. They can go to savetheinternet.com and find out lots of ways uh, to take action and let Google uh, know what they think. I'm in for bad, It's the Onion Radio News. A 48-hour Internet outage plunges the nation into productivity. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The Jibef Internet worm that disabled networks across the U.S. for nearly 48 hours briefly thrust the nation into its most severe maelstrom of productivity since 1992. Ron Lewison, an analyst with Gladstone Finance, describes his ordeal. For two days, I was denied access to the vital information I need to go about my workday. In the absence of that information, I've been forced to go about my job. U.S. businesses narrowly avoided the 100% productivity mark during the failure only because employees stopped work every few minutes to see if internet service had been restored. You're on the web right now. All websites, emails, videos, and so on reach your computer at the same speed. And that's true if you're checking your bank statement, trolling the countdown website, or looking at photos of your cousin. It's called net neutrality, where no form of content is favored over another. And in our fourth story in the countdown, it could all go away if the big internet providers get their way. Any content that they don't approve of would come to you, well, like this. Time.
Next week, a doomsday scenario internet advocates have warned of could become reality. The New York Times reporting Google and Verizon are nearing a deal that would affect what content internet users see and when, turning the internet into something akin to cable TV at the tier system. Some content would cost more, leaving those unable to pay for certain tiers in the dark, while other content would get priority, meaning you could access some stuff more quickly than other stuff, especially if that some stuff happens to be owned by a corporation that wants you to see it. Senator Al Franken of Minnesota framing it in terms of the Constitution. It used to be that really only the government could threaten your First Amendment rights. Now corporations with government permission pose the greatest threat to your First Amendment rights. And tonight I want to tell you that I believe that net neutrality is the First Amendment issue of our time. Verizon's policy blog says the New York Times report is, quote, mistaken, with Google tweeting, we remain committed to an open Internet. And then, of course, Twitter crashed. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal reporting that two companies may be nearing an agreement that could be used as a model for legislation aimed at preventing telephone or cable companies from delaying or blocking Internet traffic. As for the government's role in all this, courts have ruled that the FCC cannot regulate to maintain net neutrality. Earlier this afternoon, federal regulators abandoned efforts to reach compromise on the issue. The AP reporting that this puts an end to weeks of negotiations between phone, Internet, and TV companies and the FCC. Which means, of course... Goodbye. Joining me now, Huffington Post contributor Josh Silver. He's the founder and CEO of Free Press, a nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest group that focuses on media and tech issues. Thanks for some of your time tonight, sir. You bet, Keith. Is this doomsday, or more correctly, was it was it already been doomsday? Time's going to only tell on this one. I mean, this is a fascinating fight. It's a good lead-in, and really what we've had is a five-year battle that most people have never heard about over this seemingly arcane issue of net neutrality. What most Americans don't know, though, is that net neutrality is the game-changer for the future of all media. Soon, with increasing speeds, television, radio, phone service, emerging technologies, all of it delivered with a high-speed Internet connection. So the rules of the road set by government and obeyed by companies like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T, that is going to fundamentally shape the Internet. So far, for the last five years, Google was on the side of the public and other Internet companies in favor of net neutrality. Verizon, Comcast, NBC were against it. Then this big announcement this week, Google and Verizon cutting a deal in the context of what you mentioned, a, an amazing debacle of government where you actually have a Federal Communications Commission that has no authority over the Internet, thanks to a bad decision by the Bush uh, era FCC. So only time will tell, but the good news is there's an easy solution. The leader of the Federal Communications Commission, Chairman Janikowski, could solve this with an up and down vote. But if the FCC is not uh, in charge of oversight from a from a, a governmental point of view, is there is anybody in charge of it? I mean, is the Federal Trade Commission in charge? Anaconda Wire? Who's in charge? Nobody. This is the problem, and it really shows just how badly money has corrupted the government. I mean, we're, we've got a situation where the phone companies spend, they're second only to the pharmaceutical companies in Washington spending. They've got the majority of the U.S. Congress on their side on this issue, and they know it. So they, they, they're running the 
table. The Federal Communications Commission is the only agency who can regulate on this. And so far, the chairman, Obama's appointee, has sat on his hands since that court decision last April. The only thing that's going to work is if people across the country understand the gravity and importance of this issue and actually start to get involved. How did Alan Grayson, who's been one of the, lar the uh, progressive uh, uh, heroes of the last six to eight months, how did he get on the wrong side of this? He's against net neutrality? It's crazy. He's saying that Congress should make the decision and not the Federal Communications Commission because, who knows, the next FCC could change the rules again. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, as I said, you know, it, it's important to know, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, Henry Waxman, most of the leadership in the Congress right now, are, they're good on this issue. They support net neutrality and they support consumers. But, you know, the rest of the Congress is not good. 74 Democrats came out against net neutrality and against the FCC reclassifying or reasserting authority. And all but one uh, Republican House member is against uh, agency authority. So, you know, it's once people start to understand, though, that this is the big game changer, then things can and will have to change because the president has come out a big supporter of mm -hmm. net neutrality, as has the FCC chairman. All right, sketch out briefly the worst case scenario if nothing happens. So the worst case scenario is this. Uh, we've only got about another year where anything's going to happen in Washington. Then the 2012 uh, elections are on the horizon and it's going to be gridlock in Washington. It, the worst case scenario is the FCC chairman continues to sit on his hands. The president of the United States continues to be silent. The Congress continues to threaten that FCC chairman and tell him not to do anything. And in that environment, the deal that's being cut by, Com by, by uh, Google and Verizon, which would allow toll roads on the internet and would completely take a pass on wireless and let anything wild west of wireless, uh, that, that would become the de facto law and essentially we'd have industry self-regulating in the exact same way they did with the oil industry and the same way they did with the big banks and we saw what that gets us. You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Evidently, there's something called the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And is that, is that correct? And it is a lobby that has something to do with the internet and freedom. And I'm being told that about a month ago, I sat down with the EFF's representative, Cindy Cohn. <sighs> Here's what happened. Ms. Cohn, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Tell me about the EFF, the fighting effers. When you go online, our job is to make sure that your constitutional rights go online with you, and we get called the 911 of the Internet. So, the EFF fights to preserve freedom of speech online. Yes. But shouldn't there be some restrictions of freedom of speech online? The same ones that exist offline. What are my, what are my boundaries offline? Well, offline you generally can't make what are called actual threats. Such as? Such as... Um, Gosh, I'm not coming up with one off the top of my head. You can't think of a, of a threat. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing up the uh, White House tomorrow. Um, probably isn't a true threat, but I'm going to blow it. I don't want to say that. No, no, boy, you don't. And I don't want to do it either. You asked me for a threat. I, I did, but I thought maybe I'm going to give you a noogie. No. That came way too easy. That came way too easy. I don't even know if I can broadcast that. Can I broadcast that? Yeah, freedom of speech will protect your ability Fantastic. to do that. Online, do I have the right to keep and bear arms? Um, I don't think the right to keep and bear arms really comes into play online very It's much. absolute. Congress shall make no law. Um, no law. But it's very difficult to actually have weapons not online. Impossible. So not it's, impossible. Well, it's, it's never come up. Is Obama coming for our guns online? I doubt it. You doubt it, but you're not confident. You can't say 100% that Obama's not coming for our guns online. It's really not part of anything anybody's ever said before. Okay. Would you support my right to keep and bear arms online? I don't think that you're going to... There, there are when no it comes, arms When online. it comes, it's coming. Well, when it comes, we can address it at that time, but... but It'll be uh, too late, because Obama will have taken them. I don't think that that's a serious problem. So you don't believe in the Second Amendment? I think it's not your highest priority. Well, there, truth. There's. Let's switch gears. Well, it, it maybe it'll come up in the future. We'll have to We've switched gears. Okay. One of your primary issues is net neutrality. What is that? There's a concern that internet service providers might um, decide that some content is better than others, and some content is better than others. Well, the question is how you're going to regulate it. Hands off our internet, madam. No, no internet bailout. I wouldn't call it that. I would. I just did, and that sounds really terrible. We're not asking for government regulation. In fact, that was the FCC's proposal to deal with this problem. And you remember, these are the people who said there's the seven dirty words you can't say on television. Absolutely. We don't want to live in <laughs> That's fair. Are there any of those you use on a regular basis? Probably not. Okay, so what's the harm? Um, I just think that we shouldn't have the FCC regulating the internet. All right, good. So net neutrality? But what is fair use? Fair use is a way that people can use copyrighted works that doesn't violate copyright law. And you're fighting to protect the Hitler bunker meme. <laughs> yes. From being pulled down all across the web. That's correct. This is from the movie The Downfall. Correct. And people put different translations of what Hitler's complaining about. That's right. That's classic fair use. So why would you protect Hitler? Oh, well, it's not protecting Hitler. It's protecting people's right to make fun of Hitler. All right. What I'm hearing is Hitler is funny. Make, What's the funniest thing about Hitler to you? Making fun of Hitler is funny. What's your favorite Hitler joke? I don't know any Hitler jokes. Okay, Hitler walks into the bar, and Martin says, what can I get you? And Hitler says, the Sudetenlands. It's not very funny. No, it's not. That's what we might prefer. By the way, I want to have a meme. Can I have a meme? Okay. Ready? Beer cat. Beer cat? Beer cat. You take a, a cat, and then you attach, in some humane fashion, you attach a bottle of beer to its belly. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps you make a little cat vest mm -hmm. that has a beer pouch in the front, so the beer hangs right here, and the beer bottle's right there, right below the, the cat's in its throat, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you open the beer, and then you drink the beer while the cat claws your face. That is beer cat. Obviously, they might want to wear swim goggles so the cat can't claw out their corneas.
It's a great meme. My heart stopped pumping, but my blood is still alive. The rain hits the ground and the trees and drives the sky. My eyes wake up, but my brain sleep in One more cap on the face and not to Before we shut our eyes and cast blame and our faces blame behind. And we're both right, couldn't care faces in the pines. Right, welcome back, Daily Rant. Here we go, Tuesday, which means it's time for a jank attack. Today, the Young Turk fired up about a deal between Google and Verizon to control internet traffic. It basically gives a green light to allowing special priority for some who travel the information superhighway over others, picking winners and losers. Yes, some, but not the general public. Those will be the losers, which leads us to ask Jank, quite simply, has Google gone evil, sir? Hey, well, that's a real possibility at this point because Google and Verizon made this deal. There'll be basically two tiers. The landlines might not get affected, but if you're on a wireless, they get to pick winners and losers. Which sites go faster, which ones go slower. So now people get confused about this issue, so I just want to make it really, really simple. So what, what does net neutrality mean? It just means an open internet where everybody has equal access. Just that simple. All right, now pe people are worried about FCC regulation. Oh, no, regulation is a bad word. But what does that mean? Well, FCC regulation in this case just means net neutrality. They would tell Verizon, Access, and all the other carriers, hey, you know what? You're not allowed to discriminate based on who, whichever site that you're looking at. So we need to have neutrality where everybody's equal on the internet. That is very, very important. So bottom line is FCC regulation in this case means protecting the internet and giving equal access. So uh, let me make it clear to everybody so that they understand uh, through examples. So you could have Verizon deciding, hey, you know what? Uh, I got two different websites, Huffington Post and uh, Rush Limbaugh's website, and I'm going to decide that Rush Limbaugh gets to have better access, faster access, so people can get to his, uh, you know, his uh, website a lot quicker. Huffington Post, well, I'm going to slow them down. I don't like that. So they act as a filter and they make Rush Limbaugh's site bigger, better, faster, and they make Huffington Post's site smaller. Now that's one possibility. The other possibility is a carrier like Verizon or AT&T, etc., could make the reverse decision. And he can make Huffington Post much larger and Rush Limbaugh much smaller. So if you look at it that way, why would conservatives and liberals disagree on this. We shouldn't. This should be something that's very, very simple and, and that we all can come to agreement on. We don't want Verizon or any large cor big corporation deciding to make Rush Limbaugh's site better or Huffington Post better or our site or your site. They shouldn't get to make that decision. And by the way, why do we care what Verizon and Google decided? Isn't the government supposed to be the ref and tell us what the regulation should and should not be? But that's the state of our government these days. That They've simply handed over the duties to the co corporations. Well, if two large corporations agree that we shouldn't have net neutrality, even though Julian Janikowski, the head of the FCC, and Barack Obama both said they're for net neutrality, all of a sudden, no, we don't have net neutrality. If we did, it would be simple. FCC regulation equals net neutrality equals equal access for everyone. And that's what we should be going for. Cenk, what is the best argument against this? against net neutrality in favor of Google Verizon? 
Well, Verizon says, look, I paid a lot of money for those pipes, and so uh, I'm a big corporation, and I want to make more money. I want to be more profitable. So uh, I get to ch you know, charge people more uh, if I don't like their website. Or it's not a matter of not liking their website. Sometimes I just want to make more money for my site, and I want to slow all your sites down so I get rid of the competition. See, the problem is corporations, as soon as they're born, they're borgs, and they want to assimilate everybody. They want to take over everything. They've already taken over DC. They've already, in a large part, taken over TV with the obvious exception of this show and they want to take over the internet and they want to kill competition they want to kill their parent which is capitalism so that there's no more competition and it's supposed to be the government's job to be the refs to start, step in and say you can't do that Valentina from Miami, Florida. I live in an ultra-conservative neighborhood and city, and it was just so refreshing to find your podcast through a friend. And it was amazing after living in New York City for so many years to hear you talk about the mosque. Well, actually, you know, the cultural Muslim center, or, you know, that. Um, and it's so good to hear people that think like me. I think people should educate themselves on, you know, Muslim religion before they judge them. Not because they're brown people, they're bad people. I'm kind of brown, and most people are somewhat brown, so what the hell? Let them be happy. We have a religious freedom, so should they. Who the fuck cares? Keep up the great show. I absolutely love it and look forward to it every single time it comes out. Bye! Hey Jay, my name's Linda. I'm calling from Orange County, California, where I work for the ACLU. And as you can imagine, I'm pretty busy being down here behind the orange curtain. Um, and as much as I would like to listen to every episode of Rachel Maddow and John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, I don't always have the time for that. But I subscribe to your podcast because it keeps me feeling like at least I know what's going on, even if I haven't been able to... <laughs> To watch five hours of TV a day. Um, it's really nice to be able to get a cohesive uh, take on everything that um, is being said by the left-wing media about a particular topic, and also to counter the, the right-wing media blitz. Um, so thanks for your show. I appreciate it. Well worth uh, the money, even on an ACLU salary. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks, of course, to those of you who uh, decide to call into the show with the new call-in line. If you are interested in taking advantage of that, the number is 206-202-3410. And I did something a little different today. I actually uh, tweeted and posted on Facebook about what today's episode was going to be about as I was producing it. Uh, I, I sent out that message to see if anyone wanted to call in and comment, you know, in real time on, uh, on the issue of net neutrality. And, uh, you know, so it turns out I, I produced the episode pretty quickly and, uh, and so it didn't give people a whole lot of time to call in. Uh, I, I got one call, unfortunately it got cut short actually. So I'll play it real quick, you know, but recognize that it's about to get cut short. Hi Jay, this is Steve in California. 
regarding net neutrality. You know, with the steadily increasing number of telephone calls that are being placed over the Internet using VoIP, the Voice Over Internet Protocol, I just don't understand why the FCC can't regulate the Internet the same way it regulates interstate telephone calling, where the carriers are just that, carriers and not. So, of course, my assumption is he was calling in on his Verizon uh, phone and uh, the NSA, you know, tipped off Verizon. It was like, dude, this guy's making trouble. Shut it down. So, unfortunately, we couldn't hear the end of that message, uh, you know, but I wanted to play it anyways because he took the time to call in. And uh, and also just as evidence that now, uh, you know, going forward, I'm going to try to do that more uh, once I know what an episode is going to be about. I'm going to make an effort to uh, let you guys know on Twitter and Facebook so that if you want to comment on that subject uh, during the show, then you'll have that opportunity. I'll, I'll post the phone number and everything. So just one more fantastic reason to join up uh, with the show on Twitter and Facebook. So on to net neutrality itself, there's, there's something I, I want to talk about that because it just it never gets brought up and it's, it has to do with the, the relativity of internet speed. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't get talked about so much so that I'm not even really clear on what I'm about to say. So there's a little bit of speculation. I'd love to be corrected uh, if I'm if I'm wrong about my thoughts on this. So this really came to light in one of the Countdown with Keith Olbermann clips. And I, I really didn't like this clip. It was some, one of the things you just heard. And um, I know, I know, like I'm the producer. I could have cut it out if I wanted to, if I didn't like it. Um, but I, I feel like he was making a decent point, but doing it in a, uh, at least mildly disingenuous way when he was basically saying that if net neutrality is not allowed to stand as it is and the corporations get their way, then we'll all effectively have dial up internet. And, um, and I think that's really disingenuous as long as, as he doesn't explain that he means it in a relative way. So... Right now, most people are using DSL or cable internet, and 10 years ago, we were using dial-up. So now, 10 years from now, DSL and cable will feel, relatively speaking, the way dial-up does today. So for him to say, this is what your internet will be like, it'll be like dial-up, well, no, I don't really think that's true. I think in the future, even if we get totally screwed over by the corporations, uh, internet speed-wise, we'll, we'll end up basically, uh, you know, possibly just stagnating. You know, there will be like the super high-speed internet that is kind of the premium users idea, and everyone else will kind of uh, linger in this in this middle ground. You know, but I, I don't think anyone's going back to uh, back to dial-up. That that doesn't seem reasonable at all. So that's kind of a small point. And frankly, like, don't don't get me wrong. That is not like the major argument against uh, changing the net neutrality standards we have today. The major argument is the principle needs to be neutral. What uh, whatever the speed is for the sake of corporations not having undue power online, we all need to be equal. And if that means that there isn't a super, super hyper fast internet. Um, I think the people on, on our side of this argument saying that net neutrality should stand as it is, most would agree we'd rather stick with a little bit slower internet and not go with the hyper fast premium, uh, premium subscribers pay a little bit more uh, sort of internet as long as 
we remain with the one tier system rather than breaking it up and giving corporations the uh, opportunity to charge people more and and do all those sorts of things that they will inevitably do. So those are my thoughts on that. But uh, you know, as I said, I haven't heard much talked about in in regards to those exact details. So if I'm wrong, please, please let me know. I will absolutely uh, correct it in future episodes. Uh, you know, better yet. A nice uh, opportunity to plug the new phone line. If I'm wrong, uh, give me a call and I will just let you correct me on the air uh, at 206-202-3410. So, you know, obviously if you have comments on net neutrality, I would love to hear it and uh, and those uh, can be played on later episodes. And of course, if you are interested in commenting on the topics as they arise, uh, of course, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter where I'll be posting the details about what shows are coming up so you can comment on them as they come. So before I go, I'm just going to thank Michael O, who signed up for a monthly membership back on April 3rd, and uh, Iona S, who signed up for a membership on June 2nd and actually paid for a full year in advance, going a little above and beyond the uh, the regular membership level just to help out the show a little bit more. Members, of course, make the show possible and enjoy all the benefits of membership, including that warm, fuzzy feeling, knowing that they're uh, helping to make the show possible, as well as uh, bonus content in members-only raw feeds so they just get you know clips you know everything that ends up in the show a bunch of stuff uh in their original video format like you know matto and colbert and everyone you hear that's on television in the show uh you actually get the video clips if you're a member and then also bonus content that just ends up not being in the show at all it's great stuff that i find that just you know i can't find room for it so uh so members get all of that stuff if you're interested in membership of course Head over to bestoftheleft.com and click on the membership tab at the top of the screen. So that's going to be it for today. Keep supporting the show by telling everyone you know about it to stay connected and spread the word online. Join us at Facebook and Twitter for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All those are always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the support of the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Oh, wait, sorry. One more thing. Uh, happy 400th episode to me. Hmm, there you go. I, I literally almost forgot. All right. See you guys later. Take you out